Radio Zoom, episode 83, April 10th, 2006. another mobile edition of Radio Zoom coming to you this time from our rental vehicle that we took over to the Okanagan for the little weekend getaway that I told you about in episode 82 and spend some time talking a little bit about the weekend that we spent in Kelowna, Brit- uh, British Columbia and then also uh, the path that it takes to, in order to get to Kelowna from Vancouver, the path traveled by many travelers heading anywhere into the interior, especially if this is going to be the path that you want to take as you drive to Calgary and over in Alberta. Also be sure to check out the show notes at radiozoom.net. I'll be posting links to different topics, released information that we, pertains to some of the topics that we talked to throughout the little trip, the little ride that you're, going to, uh, you're about to take with us. So without further ado, we'll just go ahead and launch right into the recording. And hopefully you enjoy this mobile podcast with me and Rebecca in the car with a microphone. So now we're recording. We're going. We're off. Listening to crappy Merritt Radio. Because we are just outside of Merritt, B.C., Brit- British Columbia. Not British. British Columbia. And I'm Apparently looking- it's the country music capital of Canada. Unfortunately. <laughs> what? Unfortunately, Unfortunately it is. <laughs> yeah. We just ate at... Should we say... We can give the location is where where we ate in Merritt. What? What? The location where we ate in Merritt. What about it? What was it called? What was the name of the place? Oh, it was an ABC Country Restaurant. And it was an ABC Country Restaurant. <laughs> okay, it wasn't that country. That, that was really bad. <laughs> Everywhere we are right now, I keep expecting people to talk with southern accents. Because yeah. I, you kind of have that feeling, because in this area of the interior of British, Colum- British Columbia... <laughs> British. Now I'm conscious about it. I keep saying British. Say volume. 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 Anyway, we've had this discussion before. Yes. Uh, the interior is more What? Explain, explain to the wonderful listeners how the climate of interior, at least the lower interior of British Columbia is. Okay, um, well, once you get over the coastal mountain range, where all the clouds stop and they keep all the rain in Vancouver, um, Merritt, and then heading towards the Okanagan, it's very similar. The Okanagan Valley is very similar to Napa Valley, and northern California, very arid, but moisture from the lake lake okanagan and it's just desert like you can go hiking and come across a rattlesnake and actually a soyuz which is at the very bottom of the okanagan valley near the uh 49th parallel which is right the american border the border the border soyuz is actually deemed canada's only desert so it does get very very hot um we're actually in Merritt right now which if we were to keep going north we'd hit um north and into the or even just over west and into the Fraser Canyon we'd hit Lytton which is usually Canada's hot spot during the summer months where it can be almost 50 degrees Celsius 
but hotspot meaning temperature, not hotspot meaning it's a no, neat place there, to be. There's not much going on in Lytton. <laughs> Actually, it's where the Thompson River and the Fraser River merge, so that's kind of special. But that's about it. Um, yeah. Right now, as we're driving, we're driving just outside of Merritt, BC, and looking around, you've got just droves and droves of evergreens everywhere. Very, very dense. And when I was talking about it earlier, it's almost like if you think of the Ardennes forest, or the Ardennes, I'm sorry, in uh, Southern France or Belgium. Sure. Okay. Very, very, that, that type of density. And um, the only reason I know that is not because I've been there. It's just because I've watched a lot of do- documentaries about World War II. But uh, then wherever there's patches of open land either through forestry or just because there's nothing there's no trees growing there it's very brown and as we were driving around actually i guess we should say we just you know we're we're on our way back from the the okanagan which is kind of like you said earlier it's like napa valley there's tons of wineries uh not tons there's a lot though yeah what would you say like 50 yeah probably but the thing is, though, too, is that some of these wineries that we've explored have multiple vineyards growing for them in different locations across or up and down the, the Okanagan Valley. But anyway, that's the area where we we, uh, where we just are coming from, where we were. And I actually explained in my last episode that's where we're going. Okay. But not a whole lot. Just some of the details and things like that. But I don't know. Part of this reminds me, in this area, reminds me of small-town Iowa, just because of the rural communities. But, like, Kelowna, yep. which is where we just were, seemed very much like Cedar Rapids, Iowa to me, except with a big lake next to it. And you can tell that when the summertime rolls around, the lake is, like, the where they get their money from tourists like us. I enjoyed it. Did you have fun? I sure did. Now, we went, we toured some wine, uh, wineries, operations. Um, do we want to tell people where we went, which wineries we went to? Sure. Well, we can tell about at least the main one. Because yeah. we went to the Mission Hill winery, and I think you can get Mission Hill wines in the States. It might be a little harder to find. You'd have to probably go to a very specialized like wine shop. and probably be a little expensive because they have to import it. But um, Mission Hill has a very uh, cool uh, facility. <laughs> a very cool facility. And th- that's what it all, it, you know, it, it was like a compound. And you could take a really neat tour. And it was a really neat tour. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the free wine afterwards, mostly. Um, but it was just so institutional. And the little movie that we watched was really very informative, but it was, I'm so great. And uh, I started this winery to make Okanagan much more known as a, you know, a valley for, for wines and things like that. To put BC wine on the map. Right. But it's only been on the map for 10 years? Probably, yeah. Well, the biggest story that the tour guide didn't explain, they were saying, oh, in 92, when we won or best uh, Chardonnay or whatever it was. Um, like, I've taken the tour before, and they've explained that at this competition for World Wines in 92. They, Of course, all the tasting is blind tasting. You don't know what you're tasting. And uh, the gold medal went to Mission Hill. And people were like, it's a Canadian winery? Got the gold medal? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. 
that can't be right. So they actually retasted, rejudged, and yet that they were the winner. So that was kind of like their big push forward. And then the, the interp- kind of like an interpretive center, the um, the part that we went where they have the tours and everything and that big architectural design with the pelicans and the bell tower and up on the side of a hill that was all just completed in 2002 they were saying so I wonder what it looked like before that right I don't know (laughs) but that movie was very very professionally done it was a very very good movie edited very well shot very well but it was just kind of like you're not a legend yet (laughs) I I think there's they still got a few more years but people that don't know there is a lot of really good wine in the Okanagan Valley now another one we went to was what? I'm drawing a blank. Grey Monk. Ah, yes, Grey Monk. That it's was a little further. No- it's a little further north from Kelowna, between Kelowna and Vernon, in uh, I guess you could say Winfield. Um, also, right on the side of Okanagan Lake, and it was a little more mom and pop kind of operation. Oh, yeah. And the tour was like, here's our actual tanks, and here's the hoses we use, and here's the uh, presses that we use and here's a whole bunch of crates and boxes and you're walking around stuff feeling like you should be wearing a hairnet or something here's the bottling machine that we use and well and it was a family operation and the, the girl that took us on a tour was her first tour uh, as a tour guide uh, her first one solo and she was really good I thought she was really good not that she'll ever hear this and know that but um, kudos to her for at least trying to answer our questions and it was just you and me because we it was a free tour that was the free best part tour, about it free tasting yeah free tour free tasting which means free booze but uh we the one thing that i was really mesmerized by is like it was everything was very mechanical there and everything that they brew or brewed (laughs) it was a winery not a a brewery um everything that they they made was in uh stainless steel not everything there some of the reds were oak oh that's right some of the reds were oaked, but they were most known for, um, yeah, their Chardonnays, and, and all of their whites were in stainless steel tanks, as opposed to being oaked, and you could really taste it, like, we, she gave us, like, six tastings, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and you She's could just, cool. you could really tell, because we tasted a Chardonnay at Mission Hill, and you could taste the oakiness, oh, gosh. really oaky, really buttery, and just the Boy. difference between Grey Monk, since it's in the stainless steel, feel it like you could taste also the stainless not you couldn't taste steel but it was a lot more crisp mm-hmm. and none of that oaky flavor cleaner yeah yummier if you ask me it was good stuff and they had a um, you could we actually got to see their press machines and they had two different machines where one was almost like an accordion where the the grapes went in between the plates and then they mashed together like you know and that's pressed out the the juices and the grapes but then they had another one which was like a, a container where everything went into and then inside of it had like this balloon that would inflate and then press all the grapes up against the sides and extract the the grape juice that way and I don't know I asked her like what's the difference you know what do you get from doing either or and uh, she couldn't tell me and she believed that there wasn't much of a difference anyway but that was really cool like and it was a family operation the three we saw where the three sons uh, actually sit in a you know production line and they actually you know put the bottles into the machine, put the labels on, and put the bottles into the box, and I guess they shift in half-hour shifts when they're bottling, which they were in the middle of bottling, but we were in there, there during the weekend, and they weren't, so I liked it. So Grey Monk, um, they had 
57 acres, I think she said, on that property where they grew most of their own grapes, but otherwise they contracted out to growers, as opposed to Mission Hill, who um, have their, they had five, they have five vineyards in Oliver, Naramata, and various locations in the valley, but they also, on that location with the big interpretive center, um, they had maybe 18 acres. It was a lot, a lot yeah, less than great than Grey Monk, like right in that direct location. Right. You want to talk about the VQA? Oh yeah. Well, isn't Grey, Grey Monk? They are the originators of the VQA. They were uh, like one of the founding, yeah, wineries of the VQA. Yeah. Now the VQA is to to kind of give you an, a, a, a heads up, and I think you can explain more. But uh, VQA, if you ever look, if you're ever in a winery and you look in the top of a bottle. And uh, on top of the or a liquor store, or a liquor store. <laughs> sure, wine store, whatever. Uh, if you ever look on top of a bottle on the foil portion and right where the cork should be, but it's got the foil over it, and there's a VQA, that means it's a BC wine that is originated in British Columbia. British Columbia. Now, what's that mean? Well, she also said they have an Ontario VQA. So there's an Ontario VQA and a British Columbia VQA. But Ontario doesn't count. No, they don't. Um, it's basically like a, a quality seal. It's the VQA, which is Venture, Vintner's Quality Alliance or Assurance. Yeah, no, I think Alliance. Vintner's Quality Alliance. And so what they do, not all their, not, I don't believe all their wines are VQA or Mission Hill, all theirs are VQA. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, not they sure. are? They're all? No, they probably, they're probably not because Mission, Mission Hill seems to be a bit bigger of an operation that they wouldn't care if all, everything was VQA. <laughs> They probably put their smaller, more expensive stuff out on their own. But anyway. So VQA means it's all BC-grown grapes. All the grapes used in this product are grown in BC. Also means that once the wine is made, it gets sent off to, like, VQA headquarters. And they have a dozen or so, whoever. Um, oh, no, I think they had, like, 20-some-odd people on the board. Yeah. They so get sent off to the board. And, um... They do blind taste tests and just make sure that it tastes good, it's great, and then it goes back Watch to the winery. Yes, I'm I, I should mention that Rebecca's the one driving right now. Of course, I wouldn't be doing this if I was driving. It's a bit uh, more intense, this this portion of the highway. Where are we on? Um, we're on the Coquihalla. Coquihalla. Yes. So what was I saying? Oh, yeah, the VQA. So they do one set of tests. They send it back to the winery. And after a certain amount of time, when the wine is totally finished, they send it back for another uh, blind taste test. And basically, it's just quality, making sure you have a, a quality product that they can put this seal on. It's worthy of so the you, So you know that it's uh, grown in British Columbia, made in British Columbia, and it's, uh, has, it's has certain standards and a certain level of quality that they can put this on there. It's like having it's like grade A meat. It gets this, it gets the stamp, the seal of approval. It's VQA. It's you know it's approved uh, by the the coalition of winemakers. <laughs> oh no, the coalition, the alliance, <laughs> <laughs> the coalition of the drunkery or something. Yeah, coalition of the willing winos. Yes, the winos. <laughs> so yeah, that that's the VQA essentially. And so if you're ever in a, a, a liquor store looking at wines and you. You know, you see the VQA on the top, or if you bought something, you Hang take on. it home. Are you sure you're recording right now? Because remember we yes. did that whole thing that one time, and it was, like, really good, and then you realized, oh, I wasn't recording? No, I don't. Which What was that? <laughs> but I remember uh, it was, like, a test. I don't remember. Oh, no, no, you had it all in mono or something, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Before the battery ran out. Anyway, so so we're good. We're good right now. Yes, we are recording. I, I got my headphones on, so I'm listening, and, uh, yeah, everything's 
rolling just as as it should be. So um, we are in between Merritt and Hope, British Columbia, right now on the Coquihalla Highway. I said it right. Merritt, what? Hope. Oh, Merritt. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I thought I knew what I was talking about. And um, yeah, we're winding through the mountains, and uh, there's still little remnants of snow, but we were on the uh, the 95C? 97C. 97C. And it's referred to as a connector because it was an extension that was built, we came to the conclusion, not very long ago. Yeah. Um, I really don't know when the connector was made. I know the Coquihalla was 86 for Expo 86. They wanted a faster route than the number one. The number one goes through the Trans-Canada Highway. goes through the Fraser Canyon, long, winding road, only two lanes in some, in some spots. But the Coquihalla is, you know, three lanes either way. Woo, and there's the car kicking in. <laughs> Our rental car. Three lanes either way, you know, big, fast, smooth highway to get everybody down to Vancouver for Expo 86. And then the connector connects Merritt and Kelowna. And I didn't, I thought maybe it would be as old as the Coquihalla, but my dad gave us a map before we came up here, and it's not on the map. And the map says ni- copyright 1990. So I don't, I don't know when the connector was put in there. And I drove the connector over to Merritt. And uh, that was a little intense in some spots. There goes the uh, cruise control again. Uh, but driving through there, going well, the speed limit was 110. Keeping up with the flow of traffic, I was going about 120. This is kilometers per hour. Uh, that's around about 75 miles an hour. Right? Uh, Looking yeah. at that? Oh, my ears are popping. We're heading no up uphill. Um, yeah, and there's three lanes right now where we're at, and we've got a semi in the right lane, chugging along, semi. I call them semis. That's what we call them. But here they say semi. Another uh, difference in our languages, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, on the the connector, there was a lot more snow. And we're not talking about just snow covering the ground. We're talking about, well, I'm thinking in feet. <laughs> I'm thinking at least three, four, maybe even six feet of snow in some areas. Uh, but that was off on the side of the road. Uh, the, the road, for the main part, was completely clear. Um, and as we're driving along here in the Coquihalla... Did I do it right again? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always want to check. Um, there's still little patches of snow. Of course, in the higher elevations, there's uh, more, but... Now we're starting to de- descend once again. And looking around, you can look down into the uh, the land down below and see some streams and things kind of going through the uh, the countryside and the land side. So I like, I like this area a lot. Because we were driving across the connector, and there's one part where we were... I think we just passed the highest elevation point, which is about 1,700 meters. The summit? Yeah. The summit on the connector. And uh, you looked at me because we were just looking out over the whole... Well, it's not even a valley. What is it? I don't know. It's just the spot between the mountains. <laughs> the cleavage. <laughs> <laughs> and we were looking over and you asked me, he's like, don't you love living in BC? And I really, I, I do. I really, really do. Just beautiful landscape. And I got plenty of pictures that I'm going to be... Had to take some for uh, the family back home and let them see some more of the uh, the countryside here. So, about 18 minutes into this, almost 19 minutes into this, and I don't want to make it too long, and I'll probably publish this tomorrow. Okay. 
But what else did we do that I should mention? Oh, actually, you know what we should do? Huh? For the sake of Dave Olson. Yes. And the Canucks Outsider. Yes. Podcast. Yes. Uncleweed.net. We should talk about the Canucks game a little bit from last night. Okay. Because we... Okay. We made a point to, you know, it was a big game last night. Calgary was in, in Vancouver. But we were in Kelowna. A whole lot of Calgary fans there. And Kelowna's kind of like a halfway point, would you say? Yeah. Uh, almost, yeah. Yeah, Kelowna's kind of a halfway point between Calgary and and uh, and Vancouver. Yeah, especially if you're going by road, right? Yeah. By land. And... Um, we made a point to go to the game, and it was really kind of weird because there were the, like the bartender at the little pub where we were, uh, and some of the people. Well, there was quite a few Calgary fans there. I didn't feel quite comfortable cheering for the Canucks. I don't know about you, but what was the big thing that happened last night, Rebecca? Are you talking about Jovo? Maybe. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to badmouth him before. And I know, I know, I know. Dave had something to say about that. <laughs> I'm just saying he's not my favorite, and it seemed like he had this mysterious injury. Oh yeah, some kind of abdomen thing. And I hadn't heard anything about. Oh, he's skating. He's day to day. You know this and that. He's gonna, however many weeks to recover. Now it was just like he was skating this morning. He's gonna play tonight. He's gonna be back on the ice. And yeah, and then he comes out and. As he should have, he should have been the spark to ignite this team. Mm-hmm. He scores and he's blocking shots and he's like bending over backwards. Whoa, whoa, whoa. First star of the he, game. he didn't necessarily just score. It he was for the game winner in overtime. Okay, fine. It's total conspiracy. <laughs> it's a Jovo conspiracy. Yay! He comes back to save the day. If they even said like, uh, all you need is a cake. You know, like, here's this total hero that came in and helped this dying team. Mm-hmm. Where the heck has he been? And when, well, the other thing is, too, is that when he was... In, earlier in the season, we said that this he... mystery illness. Well, yeah, well, the mystery illness, but then also, like, he was giving away... It just seemed like, you know, there's a lot of hype about people, especially when, like, we went to the game. It seems like it was forever ago. That was back in September, October. November. <laughs> November, okay. Um... Yeah, it was November. That it, we were surrounded by people who were just huge Jovo fans and cheering on Jovo, and I, I just wasn't seeing the production that people were cheering about or why they were getting so hyped up about him. But last night, yes, I ate a little bit of my words, and uh, I, I, I'm willing to admit it that you know it's great to have Jovo back, at least in last night's game. If he's good, if he's going to do that, if he's going to come back and get the team going and start producing and be a superhero then welcome back it's what we need <laughs> we need him yes i just said it we need him <laughs> but we also want to see sallow back where the heck is sallow yes i want i want to hear sallow from the blue line sallow from sallow one times it sallow one times it <laughs> sallow from the snack food stand sallow from the gm box sallow from i don't know alberni street <laughs> georgia street from BC Place, yes. I want to hear. I want to hear his name shooting the puck again. And uh, yeah, I miss. I miss Sammy Sallow from the blue line. But it was great to have Jovo blocking those shots and, and really getting in there. So the other thing too, last night, and you you missed it. 
but uh, Bertuzzi had some really good. Uh, uh, I you know he didn't necessarily have a lot of uh, you know stats on in, in per se uh, putting up any numbers for his stats, but you know uh, he was really acting or active on the ice and really giving a spark there in the overtime because I think it was his check. I forget of who, but it was just like a race to the puck, race to the puck, but then Bertuzzi stopped, gave the, you know, nice shoulder into this other guy and from Calgary, and he went on the ice, and Bertuzzi got the puck, and that's what wound up getting, uh, the I think, the momentum for the game-winning goal in overtime. So, I think we've hashed the the Canucks and the Jovo issue a little bit, but now that since I had you cornered in the car, I was able to uh, get you to talk about it. There's something else on your mind, isn't there? Well, <clears throat> no, well, I was going to talk about the Kelowna Rockets because they were playing the Everett Silvertips in uh, playoffs on Friday night. And then last night, Motley Crue was in town. Yeah! <laughs> and now tonight, uh, Everett and Kelowna are playing again. So that's for some uh, WHL action, yeah. if anyone's interested. Yes, the playoffs are going on in the WHL right now, which is the Western Hockey League and uh, it is a junior hockey league, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like um, minor league hockey. Good stuff. Major minor. Major minor. What would you say in terms of, let's put it into uh, layman's terms for those Americans listening, in terms of triple uh, A, double A, or single A baseball? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> are they just a step down from the majors or are they two steps? I don't know. Now here I'm trying your baseball knowledge. I'll stop. Anyway, you can definitely tell that we're starting to get closer to the coast because the um, the clouds are getting a little thicker, and uh, I don't know. It seems like it's a little colder up here. Maybe it's just because we lost the sun. But the the the, uh, the clouds are rolling over the tops of the mountains a little bit more, and that also stems from what you were saying earlier about the Okanagan because everything, by the time the clouds and the moisture coming off of the ocean gets to Okanagan, it's been, you know, the, the clouds have dropped their, uh, their moisture on top of the mountains, and when it gets up there, it's very arid and hot and not very uh, damp. I guess that's what, that's what arid means. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Dictionary. <laughs> so, did you have a good weekend? I did. I had a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to go back? I guess so. We got to go up the canyon next time so we can go to Hell's Gate. Yes. Now, well, now, since you mentioned it, you got to explain what Hell's Gate is. It's a very, very, very narrow point in the Fraser Canyon. It's where the Fraser River comes down, huge, huge cliffs. And right at Hell's Gate, I haven't been there for a long time, they have like a little um, a center there and a tram that you can take over the river. I think there's also a suspension bridge. And on the other side, there's uh, arts and crafts and some food and stuff you can get. But there's also what's called fish elevators. Have you ever heard of those? No. It's car- They're carved into the side of the rock, and it's to help the salmon. And they're just little channels that are carved precisely into the sides of the canyon, so when the water levels rise, they can get through there. So it's kind of like a lock and dam, but for fish. Yes. Yes, it is. That's weird. Yeah. Because yeah. aren't... Uh, salmon more I mean couldn't you do like a little waterfall and that way they could just kind of swim up the waterfall I don't know what you're saying <laughs> it's just white water, white water rapids 
the water just plowing through this canyon and I don't know why it helps I don't know what it does I, I don't know why they're there but I know that's just what they do and that's what they're for so maybe you could google it when we get home mm, google that would be interesting well I'm, I'd like to go up there just for the fact that I can say I've been to Hell's Gate I'm sure it's probably been joked about before but still I want to go. There's so many places I want to go to in BC, and there's so many places you say where you can't go because it's physically not possible. But I want to go there anyway, <laughs> even if you have to take a water plane or a helicopter. I'd like to go there. I still want to go to the Yukon, but you know, whatever. Okay. I thought you wanted to go to Alaska. That too. Okay, but you know what? The next vacation we take, someplace hot, <laughs> hot, <laughs> no snow on the ground. <laughs> you know, in Iowa. No sightings. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> and actually, okay, the other thing we I wanted to mention really quickly, because we're running a little long here, but um, are we in Sasquatch country right now? Yes, official Sasquatch territory would be in the Kootenays, so just the other side, you just head east of the Kelowna area, so in the Kootenay region, um, Creston, where Kokanee beer is brewed, like glacier, foresty areas. But also, once we get down to Hope, there's Harrison Hot Springs, Harrison Resort right there. That's also Sasquatch country, so he gets around. But we didn't talk about Ogopogo now that we're on the topic of uh, mythical creatures and animals. Just really quickly, do you want me to explain? Well, I just thought about that as soon as we started talking about Sasquatch. Now, Ogopogo is... Uh, basically the Loch Ness monster, but of Okanagan Lake. Which is just by, well, Kelowna is on Okanagan Lake, right? Yes. Which is where we just were. Now, what, they believe that actually there might be a connection between Loch Ness and Okanagan Lake? That's one of the theories. That there might be like this... Or it's like, it's an old dinosaur, or it's this kind of animal or beast or creature, or there's a connection between the two because they're both really, really huge lakes with... Sometimes the depth is unknown. It's so deep. And this lake has been in existence for many, many years. It's not a lake from damming. So there is this supposed creature that either lives in the bottom or I I don't know where. You can win $2 million, apparently, if you can prove its, its existence. There's been sightings in numerous places. And it looks like what? Like the Loch Ness Monster, basically. Like a little slithery dragon in the water. Yeah. And this comes from uh, First Nations legends, but then also it's modern day perpetuated, I guess. So that's Ogopogo in Lake Okanagan, just by um, Kelowna, B.C. And what about Penticton? Penticton is at the very, very south end of the lake. And then if you had really... Penticton, you head all the way up the valley, all the way up past, a little bit past Vernon, that's where the lake ends. So, 100 kilometers about, roughly, the length of the lake. Which is where this monster supposedly lives. And we were actually on the edge of the lake today. Skipping rocks. Skipping rocks. I was throwing rocks and probably, I don't know, however far my weak arm uh, I can throw them because I was just trying to see how far I could chuck a rock but uh, uh, nothing I didn't see anything we didn't scare up anything but uh, we did find some really neat country just to kind of tool around in and it was really really pretty so I recommend if you're ever in the British Columbia area or if you're in the Washington State area making a trip up to the Okanagan 
and uh, checking out the wine country around that lake and around that area. Any departing thoughts? No, we're almost at the toll booth, so we should go. We gotta pay 10 bucks so we can get home. Critical accident zone, next 20 kilometers, lower your speed. Don't crash. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us on the Coquihalla Highway, eh? And uh, we'll check you later, and uh, adios there, eh? <laughs> what was that? Are you trying to be Canadian now? No. <laughs> just uh, one of my accents. <laughs> I think it's I think it's mostly like a northern uh, Minnesota accent that uh, I create, but uh, it's something that's just kind of... I went in British Columbia on the Coquihalla Highway doing a northern Minnesota accent. You rock. Oh yeah, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs>